Forward, Publisher's Note, and Chapters 1 through 5 of Pep, Poise, Efficiency, Peace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter. Pep, Poise, Efficiency, Peace, by Colonel William Crosby Hunter. Pep. Poise, Efficiency, Peace, A Book of Hows, Not Wise, for Physical and Mental Efficiency, by Colonel William C. Hunter, author of Brass Tax, Dollars and Cents, The Bill Books. Forward. Thought habit will become fixed on faith or fear, and the result to the man is good or bad accordingly. If your thought is fixed on faith, in the greater meaning you are invincible. If it is fixed on fear, or its elder child, worry, you stand helpless, weak, conquered, and miserable. If I can, by suggestion, logic, example, proof, reason, or humor, get your thought habit fixed on faith, and coach you to the understanding that will give you poise, efficiency, peace, then I will have done a thing well worth while. To that end, and with that purpose, I dedicate my services and this book to each of you who read it. William C. Hunter June 10, 1914. Publisher's Note I believe in Colonel Hunter's book, Pep. For that matter, so does Mr. Britton, but I write this note because I made myself over by applying Colonel Hunter's rules for thinking and living to my daily life. In 1909, I was a sick man, suffering from nerves and food poisoning, auto-intoxication. I weighed less than 130 pounds, although 5 feet 9 inches tall. Every few weeks I would break down almost completely, and my physician would advise a long vacation, a trip to Europe or California or some other inexpensive little jaunt. Business and family cares prevented my being long away from the city, and I would pull through with tonics and willpower. One day a friend persuaded me to consult his food specialist. I did so. Under his advice I changed radically my diet. For eight months I ate no red meat and no white bread. I drank nothing whatever but water. Of water I drank from fourteen to twenty-four glasses every twenty-four hours. I made myself a member of the Don't Worry Club. I now weigh a hundred fifty-five pounds and am well in mind and body. I often work, if necessary, twelve or fourteen hours at a stretch. I can eat and digest anything I please, but I do confine myself to about the diet Colonel Hunter recommends. I drink very little coffee or other stimulating beverages. I continue an exceedingly liberal use of water, but not with meals. Incidentally, I eat only about half as much as I used to, and I take no medicines. I'm not an author. Colonel Hunter is. Without my previous knowledge, he wrote Pep, which sets forth just the ideas of living and the manner of mind training in which I believe. So when he offered his manuscript to the Riley and Britton Company for publication, I was delighted. Pep will help you. If you are well, it will help you keep well and live long. If you are ill or worried, Pep will help you to get well and free you from fear thought. No medicines, no drugs, mind you. If you will apply the principles of thinking and living set forth in Pep, you will be happier, healthier, and more efficient. Again, I believe in Pep. Frank Kennicott Riley Chapter 1 Pep means... Poise, efficiency, peace. 
This message is one of joy, hope, health, optimism, and good cheer. The way to serene, happy, healthful, contented life is simple, sure, and practical, and I promise that the reading of this book will help you. Follow the suggestions, and this will mark a day of destiny in your life. I shall counsel you and not preach to you. I shall be reasonable and considerate and altogether practical, for I speak from experience, not hearsay. I've been through the mill. I've had to do with worry, blues, nervousness, fear, dread, and insomnia. I've been in the darkest recesses of Shadowland, and yet I've found the way to cinch up my mental and physical equipment and come into my natural heritage. Now the red blood courses through my veins, my eyes are bright, digestion good, joy is in my heart, and song is on my lips. I have an abundance of pep, which expressive little word stands for poise, pluck, peace, power, punch, patience, purpose, so far as peas are concerned, and pep likewise means efficiency, enthusiasm, endurance, example, and experience. Pep is the foe of worry and the friend of happiness. And the ways and means to get pep I am going to explain to you so that you may have it too. We will spend a little while sizing up things together so we may understand our problems and get acquainted with each other. When I have diagnosed conditions a bit, and you find I have hit the mark, then you will have confidence. To put you at ease and free you from apprehension, I will say that our travels together will be pleasant, buoyant, and optimistic. The rules, methods, and plans will be comfortable. You will not have to be a martyr or play at heroics. There will be no starving, no freak diet rules, no strange fads, and no strenuous duties. Pep is rational, simple common sense. Mental torture and strain offsets any physical gain when the methods employed are strenuous, heroic, or extreme. Most systems of mental and physical training are extreme, faddish, and theoretical, and they soon prove discouraging. We will deal with common sense, practical, rational methods which will be in marked contrast to the involved, technical, theoretical, irrational systems of which there are so many. We shall enjoy our travels and acquaintance with each other, and I am sure you will not feel that you are taking treatment or obeying onerous discipline. We shall work with smiles all around us, and shall not heave sighs or waste time making wishes. Confidence must be yours. I shall require faith on your part when we go beyond the horizon you are familiar with. If health and happiness were the estate of the majority, there would be no call for this book. But health is scarce, and happiness most rare, because of the demands and the conventions of business and social life. We are keyed up. We must slacken up a bit and lower the tension. Here's a mental picture for you. Time never so valuable as now, coupled with ambition as a goad, is driving man to faster movement. Man is becoming a master mental dynamo, running at high-voltage nerve pressure at terrific speed, accomplishing Herculean tasks, never stopping until nature, provoked by the presumption of her liberality and insulted by the demands made of her, says stop. And then the man who has neglected care of himself and has refused good counsel wakes up to the fact that he has spent his health getting wealth, and he thereafter spends his wealth getting or trying to get back his health. Today the world looks to the future with fear and uncertainty, because civilization is becoming complex, requirements of man more grasping. The great multitude is wrestling with mammoth problems of labor, prohibition, taxes, 
cost of living, morality, white slavery, neurasthenia, worry, and the task of providing for a rainy day. On top of this, the selfish purpose of nearly every man is to build a monumental fortune. The cry is ever, on, on, on. The rhythm caused by the intoxication of man's mental carburetor pulsates the words, go, go, go. On life's great highway, we see the wreckage, and as the crowd presses forward, we watch the faltering ones dropping out of the race through sheer exhaustion. And so, I believe, a prophylactic against tired brains and bodies is timely, and this book will try to be that prophylactic. To help my brother to get back his pep, and to help my brother who has the pep to retain it, is the purpose of this book. To you who have thrown up the sponge, here is hope and promise that you can and will come back to your former strength of mind and body. And to you who are just commencing to feel groggy from the punches you have received, we call time, and will try to keep you in the game by a simple system of training your body and your mind. Yes, I've been through the mill, and I have tested plans, isms, cults, practices, philosophies, and after much elimination I have some rational rules and suggestions that will conserve the pep of those who have it, and bring back the pep to those who have lost it. I have a calm pile, mountain high, of theories which were thrown aside, and to save you time and investigation, I will give you the net result of the panning out, in the form of golden truth. This book is to deal in the hows, and not the whys. I take it you care to know how to get pep, rather than to know why you lost it. Chapter 2 Read about one chapter or so of this book each day. This is to establish sustained interest and fix the habit of right thinking, for right thinking is the great secret that will bring you great benefits. You are to receive the legacy of health and happiness, and I am co-administrator in the distribution of the legacy. There are three clauses or conditions as legatee which you must observe and agree to before you can receive your estate. I am sure the magnitude of the benefits you are to receive will cause you to play the game fairly and in proper form. First, each night, after you have undressed and prepared to retire alone in your room, free from disturbance, sit down in an easy, comfortable chair. Relax your mind and body while in absolute silence for five or ten minutes you prepare yourself to receive the suggestions. Remain until all is quiet, very, very quiet. Second, now, read one or two chapters of this book carefully, slowly, earnestly, and sincerely. Get the matter you are reading in your mind and nothing else. Fasten the suggestions and helpful thoughts on your brain as you lay your head on your pillow. Go to sleep with these thoughts burned in. Third, in the morning, finish your toilet, drink two or three glasses of warm, not hot water, then reread the chapter of the night before. After breakfast, go forth to your duties and problems of the day with faith that soon you are to have strength and willpower to brush aside the things which worry, fret, and distress you. In 1896 I wrote this motto, Be pleasant every morning until ten o'clock. The rest of the day will take care of itself. And it was this thought that set me thinking on the power of suggestion. This little motto of mine is on every book I write, and it has been copied in all parts of this great round world of ours. It is easy to remember, it is very helpful, and I want you to think it or say it to yourself every morning when you arise. 
I make this request very urgent, for the reward you will get from the practicing of the suggestion will be very great. Now then you have the form in the manner of reading the chapters, and just as sure as you live you are going to gain each minute from now on, if you play the game on the square. I ask you to have faith now. Later on you will need no urging. With this faith you must have patience. You will upset the purpose, destroy the opportunity to get benefits, if you read all this book in two or three sittings. Faith, sincerity, patience, these are the three things to keep in your mind until we get well along the road. Then confidence and clearness of vision will come to you as you rise in strength and progress. Until that time, follow me, for I know the trail, and you must accept my ways and have confidence in my plans until we get through the wilderness and strike the main road, where the path is clear and you can go it alone. In other words, do not dispute or correct the guide when you are in a strange country. Maybe you really can cut a better trail or find a shorter road later on when you are familiar with the country, but as long as you are a tenderfoot in new territory, trust to the guide and follow him on the trail which he says leads to health, happiness, and pep. You have tried your own trails. You have hoped, wished for, and sought pep, but you didn't get it. Your trails were wrong. They came back to the starting point. You are after strength, peace, poise. You want pep. You wish to be emancipated and freed from the blue devils and holdbacks. You will have your wish if you follow with faith, sincerity, and patience. I know you may have tried to get courage and strength out of a pill box or medicine bottle. You may have taken drugs, dope, tonics, culture courses, and tried systems. You may have read heavy books on mental training. You may have tried many fads, fancies, and treatments. And because you didn't get pep, you may doubt these very promises you are now reading. The man who wrote, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, might have strengthened the suggestion by adding, But don't try the same plan. Other plans have failed. Try pep. You will listen to cold reason, I am sure. Our plan has no apparatus, isms, freak beliefs, and no drugs. You can't lose. You may win. If you do not realize your object, it hasn't cost you anything. If you get what you are after, you will have been well repaid. There you are. You can't lose. You may win. Are you with us? This is not a literary effort or a technical book. It is far from classic. It is homely English that tells its message in sure language, if not beautiful language. But it is as sincere, as honest, as truthful, as the most sacred honor and profoundest appreciation of responsibility can make it. I want to help my fellow men. There is no better purpose, no greater ambition I know of. Doing something for somebody is the quickest way I know to plant, raise, and harvest a crop of happiness. To help you is good, and to know that this help you get will cause you to help others is much better. You see, there are ambitions higher than crowns and rewards greater than dollars. Every man or woman who reads this book and receives help from the reading is raising the world's average just so much and to be a factor in such an uplift is reward plus. Now that we understand each other, let us square away and go to it. Chapter 3 As I will explain particularly later on, the willpower controls the mind, the mind masters the nerves, the nerves boss the muscles, the muscles drive the organs, and the whole human machine goes along merrily as nature intended it to. 
but when the clouds keep the sunshine out of the thinking department and when the physical habits hamper the digestion or the functions of any of the organs then we have congestion and the good old doctors tell us that sickness or disease is the result of congestion so it is that congestion of the mind like sand in the gearbox prevents the smooth rhythm of nature's forces and we suffer from results caused by improper working of our god-given powers mental and physical it's a science worthwhile that tells us how to think how to act and how to live so that we shall have happiness strength and efficiency the big books in the library deal on the science of life and living of thought and thinking they emphasize the word efficiency but our little everyday standby word pep seems to carry a meaning that better answers my purpose pep i want you to understand is efficiency plus peace and poise science takes certain truths as a basis and with a delicate probe of theory searches the unknown finally experience and truth and results touched by theory prove the hypothesis to be true or false if man had always kept within the realm of the known the story of the stars the present perfection in fruit raising and the great inventions of today would be unknown theory paves the way to truth it is a fine adjunct to experiment but so much truth has been found in the study of mind and body efficiency and life is so short that we in this book will content ourselves with applying the truth for our own benefit we will leave the theories to our highbrow brothers in the psychological laboratories of the great colleges where with an atmosphere of great dignity and with silver whiskers to add to that dignity these great men may theorize and write for the masters exploiting their theories and spreading hypotheses and all speed to them while they talk to the masters about theory we will talk to the masses about truth so we each have our place and each have our field we are after the whip-handle end of things that we may control our acts thoughts destinies and be masters instead of slaves we are acute in our unrest and worries the original man-animal had no worry for he had no thinking brains civilization and convention have brought about an almost universal tendency to worry and some new system of training some new operations of commerce some new ideals of life will have to be established worry weakens will-power saps nerve-power unsteadies thought-power dissipates concentration and causes a man to lose his pep we are going to have many experiences with worry and we are going to follow rules suggestions and methods which will give us grit and grip which you see is still another way to spell pep whether the mind or body suffers first both finally suffer when worry is present because there is an inseparable affinity between mind and body disease is the effect of a cause remove the cause and the effect disappears the cause of most diseases is traced to wrong thought or imagination we will try to get at some of these causes with simple bread-and-butter truths rather than with a lot of technical scientific frosted cake without many whys we will get busy with worry and recognize it as a great enemy which we shall not be able to kill this goliath cannot be laid low with a pebble like that david of old shot from his sling but we can tie him down and place him where he can't hurt us worry isn't a real thing it's an imaginary demon which looks real if we are scared worry is an ogre appalling influence worry is the disease of the age worry is a dragon a stink pot a false face that scares people who are weak 
Courage, faith, and pep are the armor, shield, and sword that makes the strong man invincible to this great make-believe, born in darkness and existing in imagination. Gird on your armor, then, stand forth, and say, I am not afraid. Even as you take this step, worry starts to back into its cave of darkness. Chapter 4 We will wrestle with problems one by one as we travel along together. We will not classify the subjects or try to make a system or establish a science or cult. In this book we take things as they come, and that's a pretty good plan to adopt in your business and home affairs. It will help you get along much faster. I have written these chapters in the midst of a busy life, and in a sort of catch-as-can manner, jotting a few lines down today and some more tomorrow. The one trouble that faces us most is the worry problem, for it is apparent to so many of the petty troubles. Worry is peculiar to the human animal, because the human animal is the only animal which thinks, and the human being gets his thoughts twisted, misplaced, and clouded until he thinks worry is real, when in truth worry is only imagination. Our thoughts are like the tides of the sea, which ebb and flow in never-stopping rhythm. Our thoughts rise on a high tide of buoyancy and joy, to be followed by the reflex action, or low tide, and to keep your poise during the low tide is a manner of fine strategy. Worry is the negative, or opposite, to the positive peace. If we are sensitive to worry, it will harm us. If we are sensible about worry, it cannot harm us. The best way to be effectually sensible about worry is to learn to make ourselves insensible to it. You cannot kill worry by blows or fighting it directly. You cannot rid yourself of worry by simply saying, I will not worry. The weapons to fight worry with are substitution, strategy, and elimination. Worry is eliminated by substitution of confidence thought. We can only think one thing at a time, and if we think faith or courage or joy or peace, we cannot think worry thoughts at the same time. Remember this point well. I say you cannot think two things at the same time, but later on I will show you how you can do several things at the same time. There is much difference between thinking and doing. Chapter 5 In their extremity, Many persons who are unsuccessful in establishing better thought by willpower resort to drugs, little realizing what harm they are doing themselves. Morphine doesn't cure pain. It simply deadens sensibility to pain for the time being. Strychnia and other deadly poisons in diluted pill or tablet form will quicken the pulse and give a feeling of exhilaration or buoyancy for the time being, but at terrific cost to your physical body. Dope deadens the nerves to pain or intoxicates the imagination, causing the mind to paint false pictures. Every grain of poison you take lessens your resistance. Shun drugs, pills or tonics. No good can come of them. Drugs cannot better your mind or physical condition. Nature has tonics which you will learn of later, but bear in mind neither drugs nor words can cure you of any trouble that comes from inefficient mind control, lack of power to think, or weakness of will. The cure must be made by your own self, through your own mind, and by your own willpower. I am simply the purveyor of truth, the assistant, the counsel, the preceptor. The fact is that the responsibility is upon you. I will help you to reason, will try to convince and show you the way, but you must accept, follow, and practice. The base on which we rest our argument is that no two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. When worry occupies our thoughts, all good thought is shut out. When happiness is in possession, worry is out. 
Worry and fear thought will keep you at high pressure and cause you to go to extremes in mental activity. With faith thought, confidence and poise in possession of your thinking apparatus, you can slow down and conserve your energies. Excitement or stress of emergency runs up your nerve voltage, and at such times you must pull yourself together and establish calmness and poise and slow down your governor. Regularity in your habits, avoidance of extremes, must be your rule, and this will bring you to a sereneness and an ability clearly, rationally, and sensibly to solve problems and overcome obstacles. So long as you live, you will face problems. It is the nature of things and the purpose of the great plan to bring out strong individuals. With poise and calmness you can successfully combat all the problems which confront you, for nature has given every man the equipment to assume the responsibilities he faces in life. In your relation to the things of this world, all your problems divide themselves into two classes, one consisting of the things you can control, the other the things you cannot control. Obviously it is footless to worry over the things you cannot control, and time so spent is worse than wasted. The things you can control may look to be beyond your power at present, but as you go along with us you will gradually find yourselves measuring up to greater ability and power and obstacles will diminish in size as your strength increases. So, go to bed tonight with the firmly fixed thought that worry is a mental condition, that it is unreal and cannot hurt you if you are unafraid. Worry may make horrible pictures in your dreams, your problems will be distorted and magnified, but just keep a stiff backbone and a stiff jawbone and say, I am unafraid. Do this, and even tonight you will sleep better, and surely tomorrow you will have more confidence. End of Forward, Publisher's Note, and Chapters 1 through 5. Recording by J. A. Carter. www.pleonic.com.